chief coach, the sports dad, the sports parents, here to talk grassroots to the professional game and what it takes to raise the next star. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be. You are listening to the Chief Coach Podcast. A journey in sports for a child comes with a lot of ups and downs, and particular area that isn't touched on enough is injuries and recovery. Today in episode five, we look at how injuries can affect an athlete's career, and to help us explore this further is Dr. Ademola Adijuan, also known as the Smiley Doctor, a good friend who I went to school together with, um, played sports together, and now we find ourselves working in the same field, but in different areas. So welcome to the Chief Coach Podcast, Adi. Thank you very, thank you very much, Koi. Thank you very much for having me, uh, having me on. It's a real, real pleasure. Great, great. Well, look, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and, uh, and how you found yourself working in this particular field. <laughs> So it's a, it's a slightly convoluted story, but I shall try and keep it brief. So I, like you, I came to school in the, in, in the United Kingdom as, as, a, as a teenager. I went to medical school uh, at Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital. And very early on, because of my passion in sports, I knew that I, <clears throat> I, I, knew I, was, I was always going to work in sports. So I went down the uh, surgical training route because I wanted to be a sports surgeon. Um, but then along the way, I realized there was this whole new specialty that you could do um, where you could actually look after athletes and did that with, without necessarily having to deal with the surgical side of things. And this specialty is in the UK is known as sports and exercise medicine. And it happened to coincide with the, um, with the United Kingdom uh, or London winning the Olympic bid. So I changed training from trauma and orthopedics the sports and exercise medicine, uh, which kind of gave me that double uh, insight into how a player or a patient can be managed both from a surgical side and the non-surgical side. And whilst I was doing my training, um, you, you, you get exposed to lots of different sports. Um, I, I was privileged to have worked in the Olympics. I did some charity uh, work for some charity uh, sporting events. And in the process, a senior consultant, um, a mentor, gave me the opportunity to work with a professional rugby club um, called Saracens Rugby Club, who went on to win several trophies. And I was with them for 10 plus years or so. And, um, and, that, and then I stepped down once my kids got old enough and I couldn't sacrifice any more weekends and my wife wouldn't like me going out um, every weekend to go and hang out with the rugby players anymore. <laughs> so, um, so that's where I am. To, so that is where I am today. I am. I am now working predominantly uh, in in private practice, um, seeing both professional athletes as well as weekend warriors. Anyone who wants to be physically active, anyone who has been injured, uh, or anybody who is coming back from injury, um, you use the same approach for the professional athletes as you would um, for Joe Public. Wow, wow, that's that's a very very interesting journey you've you've taken to get, get to get into where you are. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Um, now, I mean, look, you know, athletes um, put themselves through a lot. Um, I mean, from their training to the actual competition day, um, and I mean, when people watch them perform or participate in competitions, a lot of people think it's it's 
it's easy. Now, these athletes are putting their bodies through so much from the onset. Um, often they're held quicker, obviously, when they're younger. But as they get older, it takes their toll. Now, do you find that athletes often hide the pain that they're, they're in um, for fear of not being able to perform again if they would see a doctor? Um, they may not necessarily want to say everything outright um, because, as I said, it might be a case of, well, look, perhaps you may not be able to play the sport again. So how do you, what, what, what have you discovered along the way? Uh, so that's a very good question, Corey. It's a, it's a very pertinent question. To start off at the, at the beginning of the question, you are right in that um, the, the commitment that the athlete puts in to the, the performance that we see um, is significant. And you have to realize that what you see on a, on a weekend watching premiership football or, or rugby on a weekend is only a small part of how much work they've done. And in, in fact, some of the toll that the sport takes on their body is actually all the training that comes before that. You know, you talk about the 10,000 hours of training to achieve expertise, but then that's only to become a professional. And then once you're a professional, you then have to stay in the game, so to speak, and, and, and maintain your position in the game or in the sport. And that involves a lot more work and commitment. So, so yes, there's a lot of work that goes on behind that, which then brings me to this, your, your second point, which is do athletes, uh, do I believe that athletes sometimes will hide ailments because they want to keep performing? The truth of the matter is, well, it, it, fundamentally, it's yes. Um, this is somebody who is, the, the, the sport is their job. It's like you telling a bus driver, uh, you can't go to work today. Um, because you've got a bad hand. Well, if he can't go to work and he can't earn a living, then he's going to find a way around that. And with professional athletes, if they, if they, if they are injured, if they feign injury, um, they may not, and if they, they are afraid that they may not get picked. And sometimes that means that they will play on with some ailments, with some injuries. In the sport of rugby that I work in, I worked in, we, there's, there's a thing we call good pain and bad pain. <laughs> the, because it's such a collision sport and they all come, come along and then they, they, they hit each other on a regular basis, the, one, the good pain is the kind of pain that the athlete says, yes, it hurts, but I can still function. I can still do what I have to do to perform well, not just for myself, but for the team. Um, and then there's the bad pain, which is I can't function. It's too bad. And that's normally like if something is broken or dislocated or unstable. So, so most athletes, professional athletes at the top of their game to continue to play will always operate with some level of discomfort or pain. If you ask any professional athlete, you, whilst in the middle of a season, I bet you there isn't one who wouldn't turn around and say, that they, that they are playing entirely pain-free. Most of them are carrying something. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess you, you could you could probably tell by the grimace on their face at times when <laughs> when, when you notice them playing in competitions. Now, on on the topic of um, obviously injuries, I mean, mm. there's always going to be the long-term um, effects of injuries, and I mean, I I was fortunate to. Um, meet uh, Jean de Villiers, um, former mm. box captain, um, just over a year ago. And mm. I called the conversation I was having with him, and he said he's had 
17 injuries throughout his career. Um, sorry, 17 surgeries throughout his career. Mm. And mm. now he can hardly run. Um, so on that point, I mean, do, do you come across a situation whereby you've seen rugby players in, in your particular area dealing with rugby, rugby um, most of the time, do you, have a, do you come across players that you have to kind of talk to them about the long-term effects of what they're currently suffering and also the parents' involvement? Because obviously there's going to be a decision that has to be made. And, and at most times, I mean, you don't want just the athlete to make that decision. I mean, they could be married. Obviously, they, they, they have their wife to, mm. to also come in on this. But then if they're not married, is it the parents you're dealing with? So what, what, how hard is it to now face... Um, a professional athlete and, and more or less say to them that, look, hey, if you keep going the way you're going, perhaps in the next month, two or year, you, you, you may not be able to, to run again or you may not be able to, um, you may not be able to pass a rugby ball again. What, what, mm. I mean, what, what, what have you come across in, in your particular experience on that? Well, again, you raise a very, very good point. I mean, Jean de Villiers' story is, is, is a sad one, but unfortunately it is a common story in a collision sport like rugby. Not all sports are like this, you know, cycling, um, sprinting, etc. You're not going to get athletes with, with that many or a significant number of, of surgeries. I mean, the first thing to say is, for anyone who goes into sports or becomes a professional athlete, first of all, they go into it either because they have talent and they realize um, and they have talent skill and that talent and skill can make them a livelihood. And believe you me, does, most of these athletes or, prof or, or professional athletes who are now retired and have some form of ailment and aches and pains or, or, or difficulty, even Jean de Villiers, many of them will say that despite the outcome of of, of where they are now, that they have no regrets or very little regrets from their time in the sport because the sport probably gave them a lot more um, than, and a lot more than maybe they, they may have, uh, more opportunities than they may have had on if, if they hadn't had the sport. And, and for say players in say like from, from, from Africa, from Nigeria, you know, it, it may be the opportunity to get out of the slums or, or, or to get out of hard times and their uh, their success is going to be shared across, you know, their, their family and their nuclear family. And with that in mind, most athletes also will appreciate that some sports will carry more risk. If you're a football player, you know that, yes, you may have a bad knee or a bad ankle by the time you retire. And that is the price you pay, the Faustian deal, as you say. But or that's one says, not maybe you say. But... <laughs> <laughs> but to then come back to your point, does that mean that we should be having those conversations with young athletes today and with their parents? Well, as you know, there has been a growing awareness of life after sports, whether it's psychological, mental health, whether it's uh, the, the risk of um, long-term injuries like dementia, either because of collision sports, whether it's in boxing or rugby, or, or whether it's just because their body is worn away, so something like Jean de Villiers. And there is a growing in, in, um, awareness of this aftercare. 
So that conversation is beginning to happen earlier on. And so I was privileged to be, I was the England under 16 doctor for several years for rugby. And a lot of my charges back then are now playing international rugby. Uh, Tom Curry, uh, Ben Earl, um, uh, um, even Marcus Smith. So all of these boys I had back then as age 16. And a conversation I would have with them back then would be, what's your backup? Yeah. I'm going to be a professional rugby player. And I'd always say, okay, that's great. But what if that doesn't work for you? Mm-hmm. What's your backup? Yeah. And in a sport like rugby, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged that a lot of that squad, that generation, many of them are playing premiership rugby today. But wow. rugby, the, the funnel from academy to premiership rugby, the, the pyramid is not as wide. I, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not as wide a base to the top. In a sport like football, soccer, that pyramid is a lot wider. For every, I mean, you probably know the stats better than me, for every player who has ambitions to play top flight football, for every you know, 1,000 or even 1 million player that wants to be a top, play top flight football around the world, maybe only two or three of them will make the premiership in Europe. Yeah. So, so you have to have those conversations early because the sacrifices that you're putting your body through in order to become a professional athlete and you have to play the odds. Do I honestly think I have the talent? Do my, does my family genuinely think I've got the talent to make it all the way? And it's not just the talent and the resources. And how does that outweigh the potential risks physically, psychologically, and even financially of trying to make the top? And you need to ask those harsh questions very early on. And if the benefits does, does not outweigh the risk, then you do have to question yourself. If you should be going down the line of professional sports. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a very valid point that you've made there in terms of catching them early and, and obviously hammering at home in the sense that, look, mm. what is your backup plan as, as you've rightly said. And, and I think that's mm. where, um, I mean, I had a, I had um, uh, an earlier podcast with, with, with somebody that was discussing balancing education with sports because mm. obviously in this modern mm. world now, um, we, we know that athletes' careers could be cut shorter. So you've always got to mm. have some form of backup and, and that's where education mm. plays, plays a big role. Now, I mean, you've mentioned obviously working with um, young players with the England team. Now, what, what's mm. been the experience like working with professional clubs? I mean, obviously, as a doctor, you, you've had that experience um, with the clubs. Mm. How have you found the experience? What sort of advice would you then give others about working in sports from a medical background? And the reason why I want to kind of bring this to light is that when we look at sports, um, everybody looks at the on-field. They forget that yeah. on-field, there's a bigger there's a wider team and that wider team can yeah. be doctors, can be the physiotherapists, the nutritionists, um, the masseuse, the groundskeeper, whatever it is. But I think even a lot of kids now that want to fall, go into um, medicine uh, and still also have a love for sports, um, it's good to actually hear it from you in terms of how you've worked with clubs and, and different areas that they can come into. Yeah. Um, so h- how the experience of a medic working in sports, I think 
the first advice, well, first of all, I mean, like I said, I was privileged enough to have worked with the Premiership Rugby team for 10 years. I was with England under 16. Um, and, and I think the first thing to say about anybody who wants to work in sport is first rule of sport, first commandment of sports is love thy sport. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a, <laughs> and, and the reason why I say that is because if you don't have a passion for the sport, then everything that comes next really becomes irrelevant. Sports, you do it for the love of it, not for the money, not for the, not for the kudos. Many people who work in sports do it because they love the sport. And, the re- and, and, and that shows in the fact that as a team doctor, your role isn't just, as you said, the pitch side or the ring side. It goes beyond that. You're, you're, you, you look after the entire squad, and that's also the non-playing staff, you look after, you know, you may end up looking after their wives and girlfriends um, uh, and, and sometimes even external relatives. So if you have especially, uh, say, players, overseas players, and they've got an entourage with them, all of that may come towards at you. And that could be, and that's a 24-7 job. Your phone is always on the hook. You're always on call as a club doctor. So, so the weekends, to be honest, are the easiest part because that's very regimented. You know what time you're going to wake up, what time you're going to eat, what time, you know, so, and, and everybody has a role on the weekend. It's the, the weekday stuff that's semi-structured and all over the place. So that's the first. The second thing is you've got to have excellent communication because you're dealing with everybody and you've got to be a great diplomat because everybody has an agenda. You may think that you're really important as a doctor and you are making a decision about a player, but you also have to realize that that decision is not going to affect that player. It's going to affect their entourage. If that player is not able to play, um, there are people depending on them. Their ability to play may affect the selection of the, the team. For example, if you're going to play somebody as a striker, but that striker plays very well off a, a, um, a different midfielder, if he's now unavailable, that dynamics changes. So you, your, your decisions can affect the entire uh, feel of a, of a team. But, but so, so that's where, so that's where the, the, the communication comes in. But always remember, always remember, no matter how big the team is, that your principle, your priority is always the player first. If a team hires you and you're the next doctor for Man United or for Barcelona, your priority is always the player. And this is the biggest, biggest advice I can give to anyone who works in sport. Yeah. You, no, are, you are, yeah, I was going to say, you are, you, are the, you, are, you are the player's representative. You are the player's champion. Like, the, like we've said earlier on, the player will always want to play. And it is your role as a doctor to sometimes say, look, mate, I know you want to play, but I'm going to make that decision for you and say, no. Yeah. And then, and then make, and then you take that decision away from them. Um, it's sometimes difficult because sometimes, like I said, they're not honest with you. And if they're not honest with you, sometimes you're not quite sure how, especially if you're not very familiar with the person, but, 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 and, and if you maintain that level of integrity throughout your career, then the trust will continue even after you leave the club and you will always have um, a, a, well, basically your integrity will follow you wherever you go. Yeah, no, and, and you know that's. I mean, it's it's definitely. It's. I mean, the the advice in terms of 
putting the players first is is very very important. I mean, it's. Um, mm. I mean, I, I guess even within my 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 specific area in sports, the, um, representing talents, um, they come first. Uh, it's mm. it's not about me being the super agent or the powerful agent. No, it's it's mm. always got to be about the individual because it's mm. their well-being, it's their career that they've entrusted you with. So, and in your case, it's their it's more or less their their, their body they've entrusted you. And if if you're going to give the right advice to say whether they're playing or not, um, mm. if they need this treatment or not. So, I mean, it's, it's valuable valuable advice to 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 bring to light. Now, the uh, sorry, I was going to if you don't well, mind me saying just one of the uh, the other point I wanted to say with that on the on the converse. If you ever, if you, if you as a team doctor, you think I want to maintain my position and I'm going to make a decision that, um, that will quasi favor the team. So this player, you may or may not be able to play with this injury, but actually I'm going to take the risk and let him play with this injury. Um, you have to, if you do that once, some teams have long memories. Mm-hmm. And and if you then decide that okay your your moral compass is a lot stronger later on and say no I'm not going to do it the team will turn and say well why why did you make that decision for that person the last time and not this time mm-hmm. um, so you then compromise yourself and and that's where your integrity then suffers so um, so there is a you, you also have to think about it from the other side if you ever are pushed to make a decision that you feel uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Now, um, now the, the the very kind of last part of this is um, the future of sports medicine and science. Um, with this whole pandemic that we face globally, um, and the world becoming more and more digital, technology, um, technologically advanced, sports is going to have a very different outlook, um, I believe. And how how do you think this is going to affect the medical side? Um, what sort of practices are going to come into place? Uh, will there be more focus on virtual consulting? And then the very last, very last question, which um, I'm hoping you, you'll probably be able to excite some, some of our listeners that are mm-hmm. possibly on the, the African continent is, do you plan to explore opportunities in Africa? <laughs> Thank you very much. Just, uh, um, you've just kind of put me in it there. To, to, <laughs> to, <laughs> so. Uh, so, so to, to, again, to address uh, the first part of the question, how do I envisage the, the future of sports medicine, especially in the current, with reference to the current climate? I think the first thing I would say is the future is already here. Um, the welfare and kind of health and well-being in sports has definitely taken a front seat now, whereas previously it didn't. When I started in rugby, uh, or in professional sports, sports medicine within sports was, yeah, great. It's a good to have. And in some cases, yes, we, we do it more from a performance point of view. With the dawn of COVID and the fact that, you know, if a player or a couple of players in the squad now test positive, that you can end up forfeiting a whole game, the importance of that health and safety and um is is now come to the fore and i can see that continuing going forward so that is a positive of what unfortunately has been a horrendous um uh, epoch in 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 the world that, that we live in right now with regards to virtual consulting that has always really happened that's already happened in in, in medicine in sports medicine um in that 
for example, I would speak to a player um, from my phone, you know, they would go on a trip to New York and I'd be in London and I would, I would consult remotely. So it's, it's, I think it's just going to become more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Where the barriers may start to, to, to get a little bit gray or, or a bit odd is if players are now seeking virtual consultations internationally. I think as medical professionals, we need to be conscious of the fact that if we do not have a license to practice in a country, we should be careful consulting a player or an athlete in that country remotely. So if I'm in London and I don't have a, practice, a license to practice in Nigeria, but I'm consulting people from Nigeria, theoretically, that's not, well, that's not ethical and that's probably not right either because the um from a medical legal point of view uh, um you you may not actually be covered so i think that's where maybe perhaps international agreements and maybe even uh, conglomerates and consortiums may form where doctors may sign up to say that they are recognized members of an international consortium that can do international that can do um cross-border consultations um so that's where i see for the future of sports medicine now, with regards to me uh, coming to Nigeria, so I, I have parents who still live in Nigeria, in, in Lagos, and, and I, I, I see the talent in the country uh, who, that are leaving the country to come and, I mean, just in rugby alone, the number of Nigerians or second generation Nigerians who are playing professional rugby, uh, we see that in football all over the world, Nigerians who go, and you do wonder how much talent has been potentially lost in a country like Nigeria, just because they didn't get the right care from very early on or the right direction or the right education. So there is an appetite. Um, I think there's an appetite. You can tell me if there is or not. Mm-hmm. And, and I would very much like to, like to come and, and establish something in Nigeria um, in the near future. So watch the space. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, look, your, your expertise and experience um, will lend itself to to um, a particular area that isn't necessarily well, well addressed um, when it comes to sports uh, in, in Nigeria or most parts of Africa. I think we're so focused on the on-field aspect um, that we haven't really looked at it from uh, the lens of different areas. And, and obviously the medical lens is very important because you want to be able to groom talent from an early age in, in terms of how to look after themselves, their bodies, um, the right sort of treatment and the right advice. Who do you go to? Uh, and that's what's been lacking. So definitely, I mean, it's great to hear that you're already thinking about that. And um, I'm sure listeners will be excited to to hear the smiley doctor is, is, is possible <laughs> be coming to the shores um but i mean Adi, it's been i mean it's been really amazing now just having this conversation with you and and you shedding a bit of light and on the on the medical side of sports now how can people connect with you on on social media i guess is is the best way these days how can people follow you and also ask you questions because i'm sure as as somebody that wants to keep sharing knowledge in this area you'd, you'd love um followers to, to come on board and, and ask you these questions no, 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 thank you very much. So um, I, I am social media shy, but I am, I, I, I am increasing my activity there. So you can find me on at SmileySportyDoc on Twitter. 
and my Instagram account also bears the same name, at SmileySportyDoc, and my Facebook, uh, at least official account, is uh, Dr. Ademola Adijuan. So, um, yeah, uh, reach out, direct DM me, subscribe, follow, and um, let's, let's get in touch. Fantastic. Well, look, thank you to the Smiley Doctor for joining us. Um, it's been great, as I said, having you. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure catching up, Koi. Great, great. Now, for those thinking about a medical career in sport, you've heard it here. Definitely want to consider. Um, there are different angles to it. Uh, you've heard about the experience working with professional clubs, the athletes themselves, and it's all about the passion and enjoyment. So, Hopefully you've taken a lot from this. Uh, you've heard from an expert and you can get in touch with that expert. If you're unable to feel free to, to, to drop me a line. Um, chief, chief coach KS uh, is my handle um, and I'm, a, I'm reachable anytime. Thank you again for tuning in. This is chief coach. Stay safe and stay healthy.